Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come and enjoy your presence. Lord, teach us to fellowship with you today and to delight in doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's a cold one, and there's a lot of snow out there. But God brought you here this morning to hear from his word. You ready to listen? Amen. So we've been on this mountain of Sinai. God revealed a lot of things to Moses so far as to how they should live together as a community. And then the people went and built a golden calf and blew it. <laughs> Last week we talked about the intercession being made for the people. It didn't go so good because they forgot the part where they were supposed to repent. But at the end, in chapter 33, verse 6, finally they repent. They mourn. They lay down what they're doing. And now they're in a good position. It says the Beatitudes say in the very opening verse in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And so today we get to experience that presence of God that comes when intercession's been made. We've been forgiven. We can step into the throne room of God and experience Him. This idea of presence, that word is used, I was surprised. In the first five books of the Bible, each of the books it's used over a hundred times. It's as if it's a pretty big deal that when Adam and Eve left the presence of God in the garden, it's a pretty big deal to get back to that. Otherwise, we're living life alone. And I think a lot of us feel like that throughout a week. <laughs> as troubles come our way, as relationships get tricky, it can be pretty easy to feel alone. We'll go to our verse, first verse today. We're going to look at verses 11 through 19 of chapter 33 is our core thread. So we're going to go verse after verse, 11 through 19. So if you have your Bible, open it up. We will be bouncing around between chapter 33 and 34. But in 33, 11... It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, there's a little section here that talks about Moses spending time in the presence of God. And it kind of comes abruptly. Like what we're talking about is Moses trying to make intercession. And it says that the people interceded. Uh, he was trying to make intercession. Oh, that the people were mourning and repenting finally. And then there's this break that talks about this tent that Moses would set up where he would go spend time with God. And it says that he would meet with him face to face. The word presence in the Hebrew can, is often translated face. So this is, means presence to presence they would meet. Now as you sit in a sanctuary, as you're dedicating time to meet in the presence of God, I want you to think about if you were having coffee with God, what would you talk to him about today? 
Or maybe an analogy you guys might relate to a little better. If you're sitting in an ice house fishing with God, <laughs> what would be the conversation that would begin to come up? Would you have a lot to catch up on? Or would you feel like things were pretty current <laughs> and you could just focus on being together? I love how at this mountain of Sinai, the people of God are getting to experience him in some very real ways. Moses especially, face to face. Coffee time with God. It says, uh, the, next, the end of this verse, I think it is, it says when Moses would leave, this young man named Joshua, who was one of his assistants, followed him around, actually would stay in the tent of meeting himself. He would remain, spend extra time with the Lord. It's pretty good leadership training for the next leader of Israel. That's a pretty good example Moses is setting, spending time in the presence of God, that the next generation is observing that. I remember a lot of times I'd wake up and my dad would already be in his chair with his Bible open, drinking his coffee. I don't know if any of you can relate to that experience. Not everyone had that growing up. But it sets a pretty big example. As we worship today, and our worship team led us in worship in the presence of God, it sets an example no one can do it for you. You have to choose if that's what you want in your life. But those examples, they show us that that way of life is a beautiful thing. The very end of chapter 34 kind of bookends this section with the same concept. Again, it talks about this tent of meeting where Moses would go. And it said that when he would come out of that tent, it said that his presence was radiant because he had been in the presence of God. I think that's awesome. It says that the people would see how radiant his presence was. It said Moses wasn't aware, but the people could see it, that he'd been in the presence of God. In the New Testament, I have a scripture in Acts 4.13. It's one of my favorites. I learned it on a mission trip when I was about in sixth grade. But it mentions the courage of Peter and John. And those that were observing him, it says that when they saw their courage and that they were untrained, ordinary men, they took note and were astonished. It says they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I like that. They could see radiant. They were radiant. They were radiant with courage because they'd been with Jesus, not because of their schooling, not because of their high rank. They were ordinary men who astonished those around them because they'd had been with Jesus. It's 
go to the next verse, verse 12. Moses realizes how important it is to be in the presence of God. And so in chapter 33 here, he has an argument kind of similar back to Exodus 3. In Exodus 3, God told Moses, on this very mountain, through a burning bush, on holy ground, God told Moses, go. I've got work for you to do for the people of God. And Moses resisted. He argued. He had five or six excuses, all related, what's going to happen to him? Is he good enough? All of this. And yet, in this argument, Moses has one thing, one thing in mind. And that is the presence of God. If God's presence is going to go with them, they're going to be okay. And so in chapter 33, verse 12a, it says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. Earlier, God had told Moses, I will not be going with you anymore because of the people's sin. It's a big problem, and Moses knows it. He knows what happens when the Almighty God's with them. The Egyptians can't touch them. The Red Sea can't stand before them, right? He knows as long as he's in the presence of God, they're going to be okay. And so he fights for that in this chapter. This last Sunday, I was standing over at the doors after service, and Hosanna was running around. She's getting faster, I tell you. I got to change into my, my like, running shoes, I think, after service. I can't quite keep up with her these days. But I'm standing over there. She comes up to the front of the church. And usually, she likes to climb up these stairs. She has a tough time getting down the stairs safely. And so I usually have to kind of monitor that as dad. But I was far enough away that she got to the stairs and she looked over her shoulder at me and stopped back at the stairs, back over her shoulder. She didn't go up. And I got to thinking about that, right? Dad was too far away. She didn't have the courage Peter and John did They'd been with Jesus, so they were radiant. They had courage. They went up the stairs. But kind of like Moses, Hosanna was looking over his shoulder saying, Dad, um, if you don't go with me, I don't really want to go. That was a healthy separation anxiety. I think we need a little more separation anxiety rather than saying to ourselves, you know, you got this. You went through a Red Sea, Moses, you got this. No. Sometimes in the passing of time, we look back on things that in the moment, we had humbled hearts, and we're pleading, God, please, part the sea. And then for some reason, as years go by and Maybe the tail grows, right? The fish was a little bigger than it really was, kind of attitude. We start to look back and we kind of think to ourselves, look what I did. No, no. Just remember when you were in that moment, <laughs> your heart was crying out, God, I need your presence. 
or this sea is not going to part. As we look at our track record, it's the presence of God that has been our sustaining grace. And it will sustain our future if we pursue it with that laser focus that Moses has here. He says, who are you going to send with me? I'm not doing this alone, God. We can't. I think it's Numbers chapter 12. It's somewhere in there. They pick up this storyline. These scouts had gone to the land and came back and said, I don't, even if God goes with us, we can't do this. And then God tells them, all right, we're going to wait for the next generation then. Go back to the wilderness. And then the people decide, you know what? Okay, let's go do it then. And God says, no, I'm not going with you. Don't go. And they go anyways into the promised land, and they get beat back by the Canaanites. You got to go with the presence of God, or it's not going to work. Let's go to verse 13 here. It continues the story. It says, oh, this is God's reply. No, this is Moses. Moses says, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, this nation is your very own people. The two things I love about this verse. First, isn't that a wonderful prayer? Don't you think God loves to hear that? I think of Solomon when God said, Solomon, grant any I'll, I'll answer any requests you have. And Solomon says, this very thing. He says, teach me your ways. Give me wisdom so I can lead your people well. God loved that prayer. And he answered it. Solomon sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things were added unto him. God said, because you didn't ask for riches or fame, but rather to know me more and to take care of my people, he goes, I'll give you the rest. (laughs) You're being a good steward. I'll give you the rest. And Solomon was the richest and most famous king of Israel until Jesus came. (laughs) That's a king of Israel. that owns everything, whose fame will never end, whose presence we want to cling to. The second thing about this verse I really like is he reminds God of the covenant that started with Abraham, it was reaffirmed with Moses, and in chapter 34, God reaffirms it again. That covenant is that you are my people, I will not forsake you. So it reminds God, this is your people. And it still troubles me as this verse, as this passage continues, God talks to Moses and just kind of keeps ignoring the people. So as we go to verse 14, the Lord said, I will personally, so my, in the Hebrew, that word presence, my presence, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. Now, what still troubles me about this passage is the next verse. We won't go there just yet. But the next verse, Moses says, no, you need to go with us. This intercession is still kind of taking place that we were talking about last week. But I just love this verse. I just pray it over our congregation. 
We have a God who says, I will personally go with you. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Isn't that a good verse to memorize? Especially on days when you can't quite get out of the driveway because there's too much snow. <laughs> Especially when Monday hits you really hard. It's not a great verse to memorize. If we're in the presence of God, you'll have rest for your soul. Everything will be fine for you. Those are comforting words for me. Go to verse 15. Moses knows that this thing can't just be an individual thing, walk with the Lord, but that they were brought to Mount Sinai to be a people of God. That true peace, true shalom is in the people of God coming together. And Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. It's a great argument. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For it's your presence among us that sets your people and me apart from all other people in the earth. So we see those words twice again of Moses is going after the presence of God. He's not focused on the promised land, this land of milk and honey. These are promises of God, but those promises follow the presence of God. Sometimes we treat God like a chauffeur, saying, God, help me get to where I need to go. Help me along my journey here. God is no chauffeur. He's the destination. He's where we're trying to get to. He's sweeter than any honey. He is the promised land. That's what heaven is going to be. It's the presence of God. Face to face. And that is the opportunity for us as a church. To rest in. To every day hear those reminders, everything will be fine for you because I know you. And I think today is a great day, just like Hosanna did, to look over your shoulder. Say, God, are you close? I've got a window at my back office there that looks out over the field. And I start most of my work days looking out over that window, kind of like Hosanna looking over her shoulder, saying, God, if you don't go with me today, I don't want to go. <laughs> but spending that time with Jesus, there's now radiance and courage, just like Peter and John, to go out and face the day. Go to verse 17, please. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. 
I love that. We're gaining ground here. It's not just for Moses, it's for all the people of God. Where God is saying, I will do what you've asked. Just as Jesus, the perfect high priest that we looked at last week, in whom God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Saying, forgive them. Listen to them. Go with them. Be present with them. Verse 18. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Now at this point, I still think of Hosanna looking over her shoulder. It's like she can hear her dad's voice being like, I'm here with you. But she's saying, Show me. <laughs> I want to see you. I want that hug. The fact that Moses keeps kind of asking the same question. I mean, even before he starts, God says, I will go with you. And then Moses answers, well, go with us. And again, God says, I will do what you ask. I'm going with you. And again, he goes, well, then show me. <laughs> and I just think about this question. How do we know that we're in the presence of God, fellowshipping with him? You know, there's that phrase, uh, it's not a religion, Christianity, right? It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a presence. And the critique that I saw in that phrase, someone crossed out relationship and said feeling. <laughs> and the critique is a lot of people think as a feeling, especially in our culture, right? That if you feel good about it, then you're, then you're okay. I mean, a lot of times in schools these days, people will say, raise their hand and say, well, I feel that the answer's four. Really, that's quite an emotion that led you to believe that the answer's four. <laughs> My point in all of this is that our feelings can be pretty tricky. You can have a bad night of sleep and wake up the next day. All of a sudden, you might feel differently about something. I know if Elaine talks to me about putting things on the calendar and I'm tired in that moment, I'll say, nah, we're too busy. <laughs> we don't have bandwidth for that. Nope. But if she asks me after a nap, I'm like, yes, 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 you bet. <laughs> so how do we know that God is with us? First we soak ourselves in his truth we remind ourselves of that often that tends to anchor our feelings instead of guessing where dad is God's truth shows us where dad is certainly convicts us of sin shows us what intercession might need to be made you know, these, these three chapters we're looking at at Mount Sinai, they're kind of an island all by themselves towards the end of the book. And I've wondered why. Why is that? And I think it's because 
in our journey of faith, in our walk with the Lord, these are ongoing, continual rhythms of the Christian life. If you don't know how to do this, if you don't know how to fall down and get back up again, this Christian life's going to break you. But if we know how to fall down, repent, plead the name of Jesus, and then enjoy fellowship in his presence. If you know, if you know how to do that on spin cycle, then everything's going to be okay for you. And God will give you rest. Verse 19. I love that Moses asked for another reassurance and God keeps giving him reassurance. I think every time you ask God in any insecurity, God, can you remind me that I'm in your presence, that I love you, your fellowship? I think he answers that every time. I think he loves to answer that question. God, am I loved by you? Am I the beloved? I think his answer every time goes, thank you for another opportunity to answer that. The answer is yes. I mean, if my little girl wants to say, Dad, do you love me? Yes. I wouldn't be like, come on. Get it through here, you know? So you let me give you a hug. <laughs> Let me reassure you. God keeps taking every one of these opportunities, even though it's repetitive, to reassure Moses. And here in 33, 19, the Lord replied, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. The Lord says, yeah, I'll show you my glorious presence. You asked for it. You bet. And so the remainder of chapter 33, God tells Moses this plan where he's going to reveal his glory. Not fully. He says that would be too much for him. But I'll let you see my glory. In a way, the aura around me, the shadow, I will let you see that. So God does so. Next slide, please. We have really great news here in Exodus 34, 6 through 10. It's when God does this. He shows up before Moses. And remember, Yahweh means I am. So he, he reveals his name. He says, I am. He says, I, and then lists off a few lines. I am compassionate. I am forgiving. Don't list these positive attributes. And then the very last one, it flips from I am forgiving to but I don't excuse sin. And I wish I would have brought that up last week because it's something I was really getting at. That God will forgive sin, make intercession, but he does not excuse it. It needs an intercessor. In verses 8 through 9, after this encounter, Moses immediately throws himself to the ground and he worships. 
He says, Lord, it's true that I found favor, then please travel with us. Yes, we're stubborn and rebellious people. Please forgive our iniquity and sin. Claim us as your own special possession. And here, everything's back on track. Verse 10, the Lord replied, Listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all the people. And he goes on to share what this means, that the presence of God will continue with them. He says, I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of God, the awesome power that I will display for you. When you're in the presence of God, everything will be fine for you. As David stood before Goliath, he said, I come against you in the name of God. There's courage, radiant courage to face tomorrow when you know that dad is right at your side. And I pray that for you. I I pray that for you this week. That every time you need that reassurance, you can ask God. That you would fill yourself with the truth of his reminders through his word. Through worship, let it sink in your heart. Through prayer, make those requests to him. And you have an enemy that does not want you to walk in the power of that presence. Because then he knows you are unstoppable. And so those times where we take to remind ourselves of his presence, to look over our shoulder, they fall by the wayside. And so if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, if you're looking for a commitment of love to make on Mount Sinai, if you got your journal out, we've got more back there now. If you got a journal where you're writing notes for sermons, make that as a resolution. Go to the final slide here. How are you experiencing God's presence? That is the promised land. And that does start right now. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know me. That presence is is the promised land. Philippians 3.8, Paul says, I consider everything a loss, everything rubbish, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. There's peace for the people of God, and it's found in his presence. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, let us become more aware of your presence. Lord, for every insecurity and every reassurance, 
that we will each need to get through this week. I pray, Lord, that every prayer, every look over the shoulder to look at you, I pray that every one of those would be interceded through Jesus Christ. Affirmed through your Holy Spirit in our lives that we would hear the Father say, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. So let us go out in power of your presence, that others would be astonished and take note that we have been with Jesus. And the church says, Amen.